Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of MTG Rants, brought to you by Barrister and Man. Make sure you check out barristerandman.com, use the code MTG Rants or 15% off at your checkout. Ross, how you doing? I realize that uh, you just had a little mini vacation, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, I'm actually feeling really well today, uh, you know, we're recording this on a Thursday after Versus, and I got in, uh, so I, for those who still don't know, because I, I wasn't very, um, uh, you know, loud about it on social media because it was meant to be a surprise in the beginning. But I went home last weekend because my mother's 70th birthday was this past Monday. Um, so, uh, and your mom uh, is older than my mom. That's all right. Anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, exp- I'm, I didn't I'm expect the, that would since I'm, I'm like a, I'm a twin you. and like the, the two twin, like me and my twin sister were the youngest of, of four children. So I have two older siblings and uh, my parents were married for several years before they started having kids, which I think mm-hmm. is super smart. Like, they got married pretty young, yeah. like early 20s, were married throughout their 20s, and started having kids in their 30s. Yeah, that's not really a nice plan if we were going to have kids. It was like, we want to have time to be a married couple, you know? And yeah. like, she needed to finish her PhD and stuff, too, so. Yeah, so that that's what they did. So, yeah, I, my my parents have always been on the, the older side relative to, to other people's parents around, um, which explains, I think, my disdain for technology. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but regardless, my, my mom's 70th birthday was Monday and I hadn't been home since before the pandemic. It was now relatively safe to do so. Um, so I, you know, I got, to, I, I pulled off the surprise and we had nice. all, uh, my, my twin sister also came in. She lives in New Jersey. Uh, and b- both of my older siblings live in Connecticut. So it's easy for them there. They just drove in, I'm assuming. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know how at, big Connecticut is. Like, <laughs> it is the third smallest state in the union. Well, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. assuming you could drive from one side to the other in a very easy manner. Yeah. And, and my parents live in the dead center of the state. There's okay. probably not any part of Connecticut that is more than two hours from where they live. Yeah. See, so, like <laughs> I can, I can drive across ba- uh, Baton Rouge. I can drive across Louisiana for like four or five hours. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I go from like, you know, one corner to the next or whatever, but yeah. I, I think literal diagonal from the, the, you know, the little, that little notch or the no, notch the, to the, uh, next the knob, notch. the little panhandle yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in Fairfield County at, to the other, to the Northeast corner is probably right. three and a half hours. Yeah. That's, at, yeah. Yeah. So e- easy game. So we, we got all four kids there for her birthday and, she actually like messaged me the week before, uh, you know, and and was having a bit of a rough time with it, just turn, turning seventy. So it was excellent for us to be there. It was a, a great weekend, and and we had a nice, you know, family meal. And um, you know, I spent some time at home, got to you know hang with the dog a lot. That was great. Uh, see a couple old friends as well. So a very nice rejuvenating weekend. But unfortunately, when I got home, I was kind of sick. I spent all day Tuesday on the train, and then I woke up Wednesday and was just out of it. Like, I hadn't slept well, I was groggy, I had a sore throat, and I I had a bit of a cough. But it wasn't anything super serious, but anytime I get any sort of symptom now, I'm just Mm -hmm. immediately, worst case scenario, like, oh, I have COVID. And, um, but I I like, you know, it was like, yeah, I'll probably get more like flu-like symptoms if it's that bad, and I'll get tested like the next day, Uh, but, you know, and I woke up this morning feeling 100% better. Um, you know, still a lingering sort of tickle in my throat, but it, it mm-hmm. doesn't hurt at all. Uh, uh, I had a, you just made me think about this. I had, I had a couple of friends who a few weeks ago, uh, they went to Vegas for like a three or four day weekend to hang out, have fun. And they went and saw a concert, right? That they were all like super excited about. They're like, yeah, it's this artist that we wanted to go, go see. Um, this was literally, uh, I, I think almost four weeks ago now or th- you know three and a half weeks ago 
One of them got home this morning, or I'm sorry, yesterday, because they contracted COVID while they were there. And so they had to spend 20 days in Vegas when they only meant to go for like three. He's like, yeah, my mom flew up. He's like, I couldn't stop her and all this stuff. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. So he's like, yeah, I just didn't leave the hotel room for like two weeks or whatever, you know, like it was. He's like, he's like, uh, he, he joked about it. He's like, I hate the taste of, uh, what was he? He, get, he drinks a lot of like Coke Zero or whatever. He's like, I hate the taste of Coke Zero now. Cause like, he's like, you know, they kept bringing me stuff to like make sure I'm okay and survive and stuff. But yeah. I, I like, imagine he had ordered awful. a lot of room service. Yeah. That sounds awful and expensive or whatever. Yeah. So, um, I joked with him. I was like, why didn't you like let me know? And he was like, what do you mean? Would you have come out there? I'm like, I mean, there's non zero chance of it, but I was like, I would have at least like contacted one of my friends or somebody there. We could have maybe found, you know, something for you, figured something out, you know? I don't know. I don't know what I would have done, but at least I would have made a phone call or something, you know? But yeah. Uh, but, yeah. No, was very happy to have some days at home for the first time in, in quite a while. And, mm-hmm. um, felt good, right? I'm, I'm assuming yeah. like oh, yeah, you're very relaxing. Got, got some, not, got some good pizza. Um, and then the most important thing was getting Vikito's Italian ice. Which is this mm-hmm. o- old Italian family, family-run business. They've got two locations in Connecticut, uh, one in Middletown and, and one by the shore. And I like most people have had some sort of Italian ice somewhere. A lot of times, like the stuff in the grocery store. Maybe there's like uh, there's literal no Italian ice I've had that even comes close. It's not. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't compare. This stuff is incredible. If you is it, live is it really that good, or is it part of the nostalgia too? No, I'm telling you, it's incredible. There are things I remember from from my area growing up that like don't don't hold up as well. This is the one that does. It is remarkably good because there's actually two different kinds of Italian ice, that, and okay. the one most people are familiar with is the one that's more snow coney. It's called Granita and has that sort of um, I like sort of icy te- yeah. texture. This yeah. one is much finer, and so it has a more velvety, smooth, creamy texture to it, and it it, it eats more like sorbet. Okay, I kind of get this now. All right. Yeah, and it's so good. If you live anywhere remotely close to either Middletown or uh, the other location is either East Lime or Old Lime, which are right next to each other in the, the southeastern portion of the state. Like, look it up. Go get some. They're open. They're only open seasonally. They're open Memorial Day to Labor Day. It is unbelievable. Like, it's so good. Get the get and get the almond. It sounds weird. Ooh. It it, it just sort of tastes like marzipan. And yeah. it's it's so good. If that's not your thing, get the watermelon. They have those flavors every day, uh, so you don't have to worry about them having them uh, because those, those are two of the staples. But the almond is just out of this world. Oh God, I wish that I had some now. Really, that sounds really good. Actually, I love almond everything. Like my favorite, yeah. my favorite like uh, snack. You know, the thing you just eat when you're just sitting there, like at the computer or whatever, watching a movie. My favorite snack in the entire world is chocolate covered almonds. Like, oh yeah, chocolate covered almonds are the nut. It's also like. If you have to get something that's like a decadent snack, if you get like dark chocolate covered almonds and you don't go overboard with them, it's actually like not horrible for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, Obviously yeah. there's like sugar and stuff in it, but like, you know, dark, like some dark chocolate is actually decent for your, your uh, diet and almonds are good and stuff. Yeah, if, if you keep the sugar the sugar level low enough, then let's be, you're let's generally be, okay there. Let's be real. I'm not eating the recommended amount when I'm sitting there. I'm eating like, probably <laughs> like six times the recommended amount. Yeah, you look at the serving and you're just like four, and you're just like, you mean like four handfuls, right? <laughs> yeah, that, means, that means because I, because I only times, had eight right? handfuls, so that's only two servings, right? Yeah, it's like four. You mean like, it's like wait four like four mouthfuls? Like is yeah. that what we're talking about here? <laughs> like like four seems like a little about anyway. That, aren't you um, missing some zeros? <laughs> yeah, forty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just a misprint, but um. 
I was going to say, uh, I'm glad that you've had some fun. I've had a uh, hectic last few days. Uh, this weekend coming up, I'm, um, I'm, I'm driving about three hours away from where I live to go to um, a magic tournament. And it's like a like a two or three k. There's a bunch of people going. They're you know doing the pre release at the same time that weekend, like you know the week the night before. Is, and is this the Hunter Burton Memorial? No, that's that's a different one. That's going to be in Dallas in a few yeah. weeks. Yeah, I, I know it happens in Texas every year, which is close yeah. enough to you. Well, I'm uh, going the other way. I'm going to Alabama. Okay. And, and I've uh, heard people talking about it, so I assume it's coming up. I was going to be going to the Hunter Burton, but I think I actually uh, just got something else to do that weekend. I think I'm actually going to, there's like a TCG con in uh, just south of Houston and like Mark Nestico and, you know, some friends are going and he, and, he, and I, I was like, oh man, I, I like, I, you know, I, like I'm in Houston all the time. And he goes, well, why don't you come hang out? And then you could just like work with us for the day and I'll just pay you a bunch and you can just hang out with us and stuff. And I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> you know, so like, I'll go do that. And, hanging uh, out getting paid those are that's a good well, combination i go to houston like almost once a month anyway now so like i'll just go a few days early like play some poker like then you know go to this convention and work and like you know do, you know do everything i need to do etc cetera, etc cetera. anyway i'm going to this event and the reason i'm mostly going like because like a i don't really play magic that much right now you know i mostly i'm like watching it and like i play a little bit but like i'm not in the same realm that i was and i was you, doing like competitively you, you right? were streaming some drafts i saw you know what i mean day. though i'm like yeah. i haven't it's modern and i haven't played like a game of i i've been watching new modern a lot like way more than normal because i actually think the format's great i it, haven't physically played it but this is also your I'm kind of modern if you just yes. pick up that murktide deck oh yeah which we're gonna be talking about quite a bit on the show today i think but nice segue ross i love it um yeah. or foreshadowing but the, the main reason i'm going is I'm, I'm excited about this i'm vending the event because, you know, I've told you I've been, like, buy-selling, trading Magic cards a little bit. And uh, the shop owner's like, hey, like, we need a vendor or whatever. And I know you have a decent collection. Can you come and just, like, do this for this event? And so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. I'm going to tell you right now, Ross, I don't know how people do this. I went through today and yesterday and, like, the day before and, like, you know, organized my whole collection. You know, took out everything that was worth money that I could, like, you know, put in the display cases. And then started pricing each one individually today. Ross, I have seven different Verdant Catacombs, and they're all different prices. Yeah, the, the, the number of just versions of cards is so out of control. It's unreal, especially with, like, Modern Horizons. Like, the problem with Modern Horizons 2 just doubled it, because, like, you have normal yeah. ones, you have full art ones, and then you have, like, three different foilings of all of them. You have, like, normal foil, like, etched, etched foil, foil, and then you have, like... You have, you have you have retro etched, retro non etched, and then you have foil on the stuff that isn't in retro. So like, it's, and then they're all different priced, Ross. And some of them are like, it's not that big of a price difference, but it's enough that it matters. You know, you're like, this one's twenty five dollars and this one's twenty, and it's yeah. like, I can't just make them a blanket amount. Yeah, you, you know? can't make a five dollar mistake across like ten different cards because that's yeah. true of every fetch land and a lot of yeah. other staples. And so exactly, and so I'm just like, this is a nightmare or whatever. So. Uh, but I mean, it'll it'll go pretty well. I'm ha- I have high hopes for it. I uh, I hired someone to come to come work with me and stuff. So I'm like I'm excited, you know. Um, hopefully this goes well. And uh, yeah, it's a nice little like side hustle I've got going or whatever. So good luck with that. Hope you do well. I I hope so. I hope so too. Just like hopefully it's not a disaster. That's the <laughs> that's the big hope. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I just want to avoid the worst case scenario. Yeah, you go there just like literally sell nothing buy nothing and i'm just like well i had to pay for like a hotel room a bunch of meals i paid my coworker, like <laughs> you know I'd, i did all this work to get everything organized you know like and stuff so anyway but like yeah that, has, that hasn't been too bad uh generally like every vendor gets some play right because there's some portion there's going to be some portion of um of 
the people there that just go to every vendor and make the like monetarily best choice. So as long as your prices are fine, you're going oh, to yeah. be good. I think I priced myself like very well overall. Like I went like below market on like almost everything or like right at, you know, I didn't, I'm not gouging on anything. You know what I mean? Like, cause that, that happens at events and I don't blame people. If it's a super hot card for an event and people like have to have it, like you can just put it at like 105%, you know? And I don't, I don't blame you. Like you, you could also try to be the one vendor that brings a bunch of random comments and uncommons because that never I, happens anymore. I am bringing like every copy of a card that is like playable in modern with me. Yeah. Like, you know, I just like randomly have them in a box, like, like organized, you know, like I have like, like good examples. I have like gut shots, like ancient stirrings in there. You know, like I have like a lot of expressive iterations because that, like, that's that the card that I was going to say, like yeah. that seems like an uncommon that you're going to, people are going to sell out of. Yeah. I have like 10 of them just sitting there and they're like $5 bills, you yeah. know, like if I needed stuff. expressive iterations for my deck, I would get to the site early. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that kind of stuff. So like it should be fun. Also the, the new sets coming out, uh friday and saturday so while it's not really my thing and i'm not super excited about it that said it does look pretty cool there's some fun stuff for a lot of people flavor wise and stuff and then like i want to be able to you know pick up some of those cards too so that's going to be pretty cool to see all that going on because uh i think i've told you about the store before it's called gamers and geeks and you know like you know your typical like little mini mall area that you see like on the sides of the roads where like it has the grocery store and like the big building in the middle and then it usually has like the chinese takeout place like the like the 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 like um like the the coffee place whether it's starbucks or not and then you know some other store right there and it's like you know those are the little ones on the side but the 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 grocery store takes up like the big huge building in the middle yep they're in the grocery store like that that's how big this store is it's gigantic you know and so holy uh, shit yeah they, they don't mess around it's not some like little you know uh like your little normal lgs that you're thinking of you know, like, their store is bigger than, like, the entirety of SCG, you know, because, like, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, something you can compare to, not just the front, you know, building that other people see. So, should be a ton of fun. Uh, I'm excited about it or whatever, but, uh, you know, just excited about, honestly, seeing people in person and playing Magic and stuff, too. Should be a lot of fun, so. I can tell you that I've played, you know, two FNMs now since we've had in-store playback, and they've both been very fun. And I'm looking yeah. forward to FNM tomorrow, but so yeah, it's you're you're gonna enjoy yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Speaking of enjoying yourself, have you been enjoying these NBA finals just from a fan standpoint? So I I I watched I, one of the other two games. One of the first two games, I didn't watch game three. I watched a little bit of it, but like I got the time mixed up in my head as to when it was going to start. So I so by the time I tuned in, Milwaukee was already up big. And yeah. so I didn't really watch the rest of it, but I watched all of game four last night and mm-hmm. that was super entertaining. Yeah. So and, you're tweeting about it a little bit. So yeah, the, the weird thing to me was like, it felt like everyone's narrative of the game was off. And I like, I figured out exactly what was happening. Like I was pretty confident Milwaukee was winning the game for most of the night uh, up until the point where, where Phoenix built a lead in the fourth quarter. I thought maybe they had had some outlier shooting for long enough to steal a game which is actually how they won game two. Like they had a very huge outlier shooting night because the, the story of the series for me right now is Milwaukee is getting a huge possession advantage, a huge advantage on the offensive boards and turnovers. And when, he, when you're advantaged on both of those, you just get so many more shots up than your opponent that you can afford to be less efficient. Yeah. And like, that's what I've been hearing and like kind of noticing from like the little bit outside is just like, 
I feel that Milwaukee is getting a lot more like high value shots, a lot more like layup attempts. A lot yeah, more they're getting to the rim more for sure. In in Phoenix is shooting more threes and stuff, and it's just like you for you to keep up with a team that's putting that many more shots up at like that close to the rim, you're gonna have to shoot at an absurd rate. Yeah, you're gonna be, you're gonna need to be Golden State pretty much. And it it hasn't even been more three attempts. It's been more mid range attempts because Chris Paul and Devin Booker are they're very good mid range shooters, elite mid range shooters. And so they're but, they're the only people allowed to do it. In the NBA. Yeah, but that, that still means they only shoot fifty to fifty five percent on a good day. Like they average right about fifty percent. So yeah. even if you're giving up that shot a little bit more, maybe you give them a few more percentage points. Like that's still under a one ten offensive rating, which is not that good. Like their offense was bad last night. Their offensive rating was like a one hundred six, one hundred seven. And so it's just, if you're giving up that many extra possessions to the other team, you have to be that much more efficient than them. And it's so hard to do that when you're taking so many mid-range shots. There's a sort of a cap on how efficient you can be. Uh, so like for most of the game, I think people thought that like Phoenix was just in control, but really they were just shooting incredibly well for mid-range, especially Devin Booker. And then finally in the fourth quarter, they missed a few mid-range shots and Milwaukee made a few extra shots. And there was a huge disparity in the score because they were just getting more total shots overall, and they, they took a lead late. And if you look at the, the shot quality that they've gotten for the last three games in a row, Milwaukee should have won all three games. Like, Phoenix stole game two. And so they're, they need to find something to, you know, to, you know, to stop that possession disparity. They were, they, because they've been a low turnover team most of the, of the season. Uh, especially because Chris Paul is historically so low. But the last three games, Chris Paul has been committing a lot of turnovers. He has like 14, 15 over the last three games combined, which is really high for him. So it might be an, it might be an issue with the hand that, that you know, is now exacerbated because they've been playing this tough playoff schedule for long enough. Uh, I don't know, but like they've got to get that possession disparity back in check because I think overall they're going to be the more efficient team. I think they're just a better defensive team than Milwaukee is. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like they were, I think 10% higher in terms of or 10 percentage points in terms of true shooting percentage last night, but it just didn't matter because they took like 20 fewer shots. It was ridiculous. So, uh, and, and then Milwaukee's keeping them out of transition too. So all the easy shots, like shots at the rim, shots in transition, uh, you know, second chance points, all of those things are, are being won by Milwaukee right now. And so they in the half court, they can afford to be less efficient than Phoenix, and that something needs to change or Milwaukee's going to win this series. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, I actually uh, booked a friendly bet with a, with, with a, uh, with a, a friendly bet. I booked a bet with a friend or whatever. And uh, they get one of the four outcomes. I get all other three. They have uh, Milwaukee in six and that's it or whatever. And that's after the game last night or whatever. They were e- like, 100% even money? that's happening. Yeah. I don't know why they did even money, but I mean, they should like, they should. Wow. I mean, shouldn't it just, like, if you want to make a bet here on the best of three and, like, they take Milwaukee and you take Phoenix or whatever, that would seem okay to me. But they, okay. I guess if they I mean, want to make the bet. Yeah. I mean, like, they, they legit was, like, in a group, you know, we were in a group chat and they were like, does anybody want to take this bet? And nobody took it. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take it <laughs> or whatever, you know, or whatever. So, like, just, I'm probably definitely going to make him pay up, honestly, or whatever. If he, if he, he does it, I do this a lot with my friends. You know, I'll, I'll we do this, um... The few times that I play golf anymore, you know, I barely ever play, but like we do something just to make it interesting. So like people try and it like makes you play more serious. You know what I mean? It like makes you, yeah. you know, take take your scoring more serious. And then no one ever makes the other person actually pay at the end yeah. of it. Or like you're like, all right, I'll buy you a beer or something, you know, like sure. whatever. Yeah. And stuff, I, so. I do think that, that Milwaukee and six is the most likely outcome. For oh, me. I, I don't disagree. 
you know? So, like, I don't think the, you know, it needed to be, like, three to one since I get three outcomes and they get one or whatever. You know, I was like, you know, like, two, two something to one might have been all right. Maybe even less. I don't even know. But anyway, I'm not a math major, and I don't want to do the math on it, Ross. But anyway. Um, I don't even know how to do the math. Yeah, I'm sure there's some way. It has. It probably has to do with uh, expected outcomes and you having to weigh, like, if you if you think this is more likely to happen, then you could be like, this. you know, it's at this percentage yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, if, people build models for this. Like, 538 has a game prediction model. But ESPN has one that's proprietary to them. There's a bunch of websites that do stuff like that. But I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that goes into those models. Just so everybody at home knows this and so Ross knows this, my dog is sitting in my lap right now because I'm the only person home and she heard me talking and she wanted to be a part of what's going on. So she's sitting in my lap right now and I'm just like rubbing her chest in the back of her head. And she is like rolled over on her back, kind of almost like a like what a cat does and is looking up at me with a full derp. You know, you know yeah. the, the, the tongue hangs out limp. Yeah. yeah she's just loving it right now so yeah uh, i don't know if you see me looking down and smiling at her it's not anything else going on yeah jellybean is a big fan of the belly rubs and she'll often she's often laying on her side and she'll lift up the top paw of what yep. you know based on whatever side she's on and that's the signal like go for the belly yeah, <laughs> yeah my dog doesn't say that she'll like she'll see you coming and she'll just slowly start to turn over and the, and the arms go up and she's like yeah. here you go free access and stuff you but. you can tell jellybean is tired is when she she lifts the arm and then two seconds later it goes back down she's like i, yeah, I can't yeah. hold it for that long just keep petting keep petting though don't stop i didn't say you had to stop yeah <laughs> yeah because if you do uh, stop she will just turn her head and look at you and be like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine What's does the same on? thing. She gives she gives you the look of like, I didn't tell you because like yeah. I've joked about this, you know, like I'll be in bed at night and like I'll be like watching something on my iPad and I'll just be like rubbing Benny with my left hand or whatever, and I'll do it for literally like forty five minutes, right? And then the moment I stop, she'll just turn around and look at me like like what the hell? And I'm like, I've been petting you for the last <laughs> hour. <laughs> like Not yeah. enough. Yeah, and it's so funny too because when she's actually ready to go to sleep, like when she's ready to actually try to sleep, she doesn't like being touched, so she actually moves further away. And if yep. you go try to pet her, she will get off the bed to stay away from you. Like she doesn't want. It's really weird because I'm like, you want to be touched twenty four seven when you're awake, but when you're trying to sleep, you're like, no, 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 not now, not now. Yeah, Jellybean does the same thing. The, my parents have an L shaped sectional, and I'll be sitting in mm-hmm. the corner of it, and she's sitting down, you know, very, you know, nudged up against me. And I'm petting her. As soon as she wants to be left alone, she'll just move a foot down down the couch. Yeah. And if you try to pet them, they look at you like, what, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, they give you that. But uh, let's go ahead and just like transition to a little bit of magic or whatever. I think that's what the people are mostly here for. I'm sure they also like the dog stuff too. Yeah. But uh, I think the first thing that we're going to talk about, and uh, I think this is the thing that's been probably the most talked about thing in going on in modern this week and probably the i think the deck that i've seen talked about the most this week is is this hammer deck real and i'm inclined to just say yes right off the bat ross yeah it's it's 100 percent real and you know yours truly did write an article i I think three or four weeks ago now calling it the most underrated deck in modern um and, and so i feel pretty vindicated having it show up, and I know Cedric has been streaming with it a lot and, and singing its praises and had a breakout weekend last weekend. I think there were, uh, across the two top 32, so 64 decks, 12 hammer decks. So you're looking at a little under 20% of the metagame. And you're looking at, I think there was one top eight where it had four and another one, it had only had one, so it had five of the tops of the 16 top eight decks, which is just about 30%, a little bit over. So an excellent, excellent weekend from the deck. And you know, keep in mind, you know, this is a 
a creature combo deck in a format that just got a whole lot more efficient. There's a ton of cheap removal around, and there's a lot of artifact removal in people's sideboards because of the food decks that actually haven't been doing as well in recent weeks. So on paper, this looks like a really hostile metagame for a deck like this, and it is thriving in that metagame. So that's a huge endorsement. And, uh, you know, I think it's very clear that this deck is real, much, much more resilient than people are giving it credit for. And yeah, you and I kind of like chatted about this when we were doing our, our pre-show thing. And the, I think the reason you and I both think that this is as resilient as it is, and, you know, we both came to the same conclusion is it, it kind of, it, it's not as much as I like to call the, the Merktide factor. Cause like we talked about, you know, Merktide Regent being underplayed in modern. Now it's getting played a bunch because the removal doesn't hit it. Yeah. Right in the format, and then you look at this deck, and this deck is very good against Lightning Bolt. Right, you've seen Fatal Push almost disappear from the format. Same thing with Path to Exile. This deck is very good against Prismatic Ending, and it can shrug off losing a single artifact a lot of the times. Right, and so, I mean, you're seeing this, and like you know, it plays around you know the damage base removal quite well too. When you especially when you have the card like Sigarda's Aid in play. And you know you were you were going to go even more in depth in this. I think this is one of the big reasons that this deck is is seeing doing as well as it is, right? Yeah, yeah. The, I think I think the black removal is going to be the best against it, and that's yeah, the yeah. removal that is least played right now. So that, it's that's going to be time for factors. fatal push, right? Fatal yeah, push to make a big comeback, right? Um, right. I, I'm not even sure. Like what you know, yeah for this deck, but then you know, like you, you got to make sure you can kill Merktide Regent and. Um, you know, the, there's just so many different p- places the metagame is pulling you, so many different directions that I, I, I think it's hard to find that, that, the right balance. And it's going to be a sort of week to week thing. Um, you know, rather than falling into a, a long term, um, equilibrium. So, uh, w- which is cool. I like, you know, magic is best when it's dynamic, uh, especially competitive magic. But, the, you know, when you think of things like prismatic ending, you think, oh, that like that's a removal spell that can exile a hammer or it can exile a, a cigar disease, as well as killing creatures. So that seems really cool. But then you leave yourself open to those, you know, instant speed kills because you have this sorcery speed removal. Or you think, oh, red has like the cheapest, most efficient removal. That's really good. But then you leave yourself open to them being able to respond with Colossus Hammer if they have Sigarda's aid. And that matches up really well against red removal. The same way Infect used to have pump spells in response to it. Um, so yeah, we joked about that. I said that this deck felt like when Infect or blue white first, the blue white, um, heroic decks first came up where it's not exactly the same, but like you're seeing people win games and the fact that people haven't really 100% figured out the right timing for all their stuff yet, even though the cards yeah. aren't allowing it to be perfect at right now either. It, it, it plays very similarly to those decks. I think it's a spiritual successor to those kinds of decks, um, especially Infect. Uh, but I think it is just a more strategically sound deck than Infect ever was, and it's because of all of the inherent card advantage that it gets to play. So it's it's no less explosive than in fact like you can kill on turn two, right. uh, and and you could kill you kill on turn three regularly when when uh, you know your opponent doesn't interact, and that's what in, that's about the speed of infect. So you're not losing any of that, but you have all of this inherent card advantage between Luris and um, uh, Pure Steel Paladin and Stoneforge Mystic and Urza Saga, and now even uh, Ingenious Smith from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. A lot of lists are incorporating. I'm not a yeah, big fan of that, that. Yeah. but it, it was we played it on a versus live today and was better than I expected it to be. Uh, and so uh, you know, just so that that gives the deck so much built-in resilience that Infect never really had. You know. Uh, in fact, usually 
you know, sometimes you could steal games with a, with a top deck after trying to go off and failing, but you're usually were trying to set up that one big turn and killing them or losing. This deck yeah, I was can, say, you never really lost like the second wave from Infect. Like yeah. usually never. And this, this deck, deck can, can do still that. do that, but it, you know, it, it gets to that second and third wave a lot more often than Infect does. And it's also more consistent because so many of your cards serve dual roles. Like you have so many more threats in your deck than Infect ever did. So you don't run into that issue where you just have to like mulligan a bunch because you don't find threats in your opening hands. So you play your first threat and it dies and you just lose the game. Uh, or, or you just, you know, don't do anything for three turns. And so this deck doesn't really have those issues. It has other threats. Um, you know, as threats that find Colossus Hammer. So it doesn't just have to fill its deck with all those pump spells. Um, because it just has the four hammers and, you know, eight plus ways to tutor for it between Saga, Stoneforge Mystic, and Steel Shaper's Gift. So it's, it's just a, a much more sound deck. Um, uh, you know, and as a result, I think people, when they, when they look at it, they read and they think, and they compare it to Infect and they say, okay, I just need a bunch of cheap removal and I'll be fine. And that, yeah, that was, that's true against Infect, but yeah. this deck, it, it's more like you need to have, a way to lock up the game against them. I think you just need, I think people need to play against the deck more, you know, not just try to say like, if I kill their first three things, I'm going to win. They've got to play a little bit tighter against them. They got to know the tricks. Um, they've, I think, you know, discard spells are going to be really important because the, a lot of the time, like the deck can play around a bunch of different stuff and you're not, and you're not sure what to play around from their hand. And so the information is super valuable. That was also true against infect. Um, so, you know, this is just a, and, and you got to play more at instant speed against them, I think, uh, than we have. We, like things like Shattering Spree that have been seeing more play because of the food decks aren't as good against this deck because they don't have a, t- they don't put a ton of artifacts onto the battlefield. Like, right. you know, and sometimes with the turn they put a bunch of artifacts onto the battlefield, you die. <laughs> so, I'm cranial plating or something for just a million. Yeah. 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 So the, the deck is just much more robust than anyone wanted to give it credit give it credit for um you know part of it is matching up better against removal but i think a big reason is just all the inherent card advantage in the deck and then the the added consistency it really is it's it's just a step above what infect ever was like i cannot imagine playing infect anymore i just don't think that's a, a viable deck at this point while while this deck exists um, especially with some of the recent additions, like Esper Sentinel is awesome in it. That's another source of card advantage, by the way. I didn't even list that earlier. Like it can be even more explosive with the, with the drum zero drop package. I mean, I could only imagine this deck playing Mox Opal too, and like even leaning further into that, how fast and, and explosive it would be. Um, and then obviously like Urza Saga being so good in the deck. And, and sometimes like you can just, you can win a, you can actually win a grindy game with this deck. You can draw four or five extra cards over the course of a game. I, I it almost feels a, a lot like um, elves to me in that regard. Like nobody, yeah. when I played elves in 2014 in Legacy, every good player I played against thought they were going to crush me. They just thought like, oh, I'll just like bolt your first two elves and it'll be easy. And I and and or like and I'll play a sweeper. And I think against a lot of inexperienced elves pilots, like that was always enough because they would run into the sweeper more. They would keep looser hands. They wouldn't use their glimpses for value early. They would try to like save them as a combo card and yeah, never re- to kill you with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and never really find a good spot to, or miss their good spot to cast it. Uh, you know, and they, and they wouldn't know how to, you know, properly utilize all the cards to, like get ahead on tempo. 
um, and they wouldn't know when to like press the aggro plan. All the little things that the elves deck could do that they would screw up their death threat shamans and sequencing and like when to untap, when to activate. All all of those things were so important. And this deck has so many little things. Like I, I screwed up some stuff in one of the games on Versus today. And I, I talked about it afterwards. Like there, there are so many intricate lines with this deck. It's really difficult to play well. So I think you're now seeing some good players put time in and really get to know it well. And they're having a lot of success. And now you're going to see players put the time into exactly how to combat it. But like this is, mm-hmm. this is, this deck is so much more than, than in fact, even if it plays similarly. Yeah. And like, you know, you're talking about better players playing it. Uh, I know that obviously he's grabbing a gravitate anyway, but Cedric's been streaming this deck a lot. And, doing very well with it because this this is his kind of deck and then he he's the kind of person if you, if you wanted to get some good practice in this deck or see if you wanted to move into buying the you know cards you needed for this deck i recommend going watch his stream you know if he has vods or whatever because he will walk you through all of his play lines and he'll talk everything out and then if he makes a mistake he talks about this is a mistake and why you know he's very in-depth when it comes to it so he's gonna like walk you through all the plays you're gonna see him pl- you know play the matchups and he's just very good so you're gonna see a lot of the you know, cooler and more in-depth play line stuff as well. You want to watch someone who has, like, that it's on the upper echelon of a type player that can, you know, show you the true, like, uh, strengths and weaknesses of the deck with all the crazy play lines and stuff. Uh, this is a this is very much a Cedric deck, and he, I, I've watched him play with it, and he's... he. He's the 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 real big thing is patience. Like this is not a deck that you have to go all in with. Just jam, yeah. Yeah, like you can, and against like big mana decks, you often do. And you know, sometimes like you know, against like the Is it deck when they tap out for a Thought Scour on their end step, you like you just go for the Colossus Hammer. Then, like I I had a game against Corey today where I went turn one, um, you know, turn one Sigarda's Aid. They he played a, you know a Thought Scour or played a land to go, and I went land Esper Sentinel go. And he, he responded to the Esper Sentinel with a Thought Scour, so he wouldn't give me just a card. Your hammer. And then so my, my Sentinel resolved, and I just played the hammer. I was like, okay, I've got an 11-11 against your Is it deck. And like two turns later, he just showed me the Unholy Heat and Bolt in his hand, and he just said nine okay, damage. So, yep. And so, like, yeah, that's the thing you're going to have to learn playing against this deck is, like, maybe you're just supposed to not cast Thought Scour there, you know, which is a weird thing. And if you have lands in your hand, like... You know, you don't need to it's, cantrip. But it's, like, so hard not to do that unless your hand is really, really good. Well, that's what I'm saying. And I, th- I, think, that's a, I think that's a thing that comes up. I mean, I remember um, a very specific match, and I think it even might be on camera somewhere, where, like, I, I bumped you and, like, showed you a match where, like, I was playing Delver versus, like, Sneak and Show. And it's a very similar kind of matchup in the way that, like, one of the decks is going to shove on you if, you if they feel weakness, and the other one's trying to slow them down. And I could have, like, turned one Delver... Uh, against a person like like on the on the draw or whatever and i just didn't i just like you know because i had a second land i knew the next turn because i was like just leaving up uh you know interaction or whatever and i ended up needing like you know the the days plus the interactive spell in my hand and if i had just gone for the delver i would have lost you know because they like they like played a land and like ponder they untapped and like played a soul land played a lotus pebble like played you know played what do you call it uh sneak and show or i mean um uh show and tell and stuff you get what i'm saying like just little things like that and it's like yeah, I can play a turn slower. Like I don't have to have the nuts if they're also playing slow, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And, and like, just... if they're going to play that way, then you can just lean on them and make them hold up that one or two mana every yeah. single turn. And yeah. you know, plink in for your two damage or whatever a turn. If you can get them to where one hit with a hammer is lethal, that's great. 
Uh, you know, so so take that time, take what they give you. But you can and, also nickel and dime with this deck too. Yeah, like, very well. And that like, that's a big that's a big thing with playing this deck: patience, taking what they give you, making things hard on them, making them hold up mana but not use it. Uh, because y- you always have a response or, or make them afraid of a response, maybe even if you don't have it. Uh, so th- those things are all s- so important when you're playing this deck and, you know, g- it really make a huge difference in your win rate because it, when you just jam into them and they just respond with their bolts and then you're left with nothing, you just think, oh, my deck sucks. Uh, but w- then you see somebody playing it with that patience and you see what it can do and like they effectively just stone rain their opponents every single turn while doing yeah. a little of extra damage just getting that much further ahead that much further ahead making some land drops then you start playing urza sagas and making constructs and then your opponent's like well now i gotta use my removal on your constructs and then you jam on them when when they're out so it's uh yeah the there are so many th- ways to do that you don't have to kill them on turn three and and that's the strength of the deck it, it, it almost it, like you've got to play this deck almost like it's splinter twin where like you don't jam on turn four, like you just make them hold up and put you know make them fearful, and use that to your advantage. Absolutely, and kind of going back a little bit over like what you were saying and stuff. Like you you kind of you kind of mentioned this, and you went over a little fast. I think it needs to be repeated. Is the fact that like this deck being good and a highly represented deck in the format is really bad for a few other decks in the format. Like I know the deck's kind of dead, but like I would never want to play against this with Tron. I'm thinking about decks like uh like Amulet. Like, this seems like an amazing matchup for Hammer Time because, like, they just don't interact with you too much. They can do whatever the hell they want over the first three turns because you don't care. So all these decks that spend their first couple turns, like, you know, casting Farseek or casting Amulet into, like, Azusa or, you know, Dry of Elysian Groves, you're like, LOL, kill you. You know, like, Sagarda's Aid, you know, put a hammer on my thing, kill you. And even if they play Primeval to, like, get to the point where they tap out for Titan, like, you can often just attack with a Flyer and post... uh post-combat, you know, hammer them. You can so, also block their Titan a lot of times, too. You just be like, yeah, make my thing on 11-11, block it, kill you on the way back. Like, even if yeah. you have, like, just a random thing in play that hasn't attacked yet. Yeah, this is this is this deck is definitely bad for big mana, and, and Titan is the biggest one now. Um, and honestly, we've also seen a decline in the food decks, and while, the, like, part of that is due to the amount of hate people had in their sideboards, I also just don't think that's a great matchup. Like, you're, you really only interact with Asmore. So if you just don't have an early Asmore, you're probably dead. And yeah, you'd even, have to you'd have to play a bunch of the other stuff too. You'd have to play like Aether Grid main, I think, and some other random stuff. Yeah, but then your deck is just so much worse in, in all the other matchups. Oh, yeah. Like, and if you have to, no, do, agreed, if, agreed. So and yeah, that's what makes this deck so good. Like, that's the problem. And I was thinking about this too, where like I was looking at this deck, and if if we if we think what's going to happen is going to happen, we're like, and we'll talk about a deck that I think is actually getting a little popular because of this kind of thing, where people are going to make you know uh, some changes to their to their decks in the format. To kind of try to combat this hammer deck being so good, is I wouldn't be surprised to see a copy of Nettle Cyst work its way in. It's just like another threat plus equipment piece later in the game. So like your Stone Forges are better, and your um, what is it, Steel Shapers gifts are better late game. I would love to do something like that, but you can't do that with Luris as a companion. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's that's a huge tilt. Yeah, I'm, the Luris thing like oh, it, I, got, it look, still gets me all the time. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. You, you think you're big brained? And yeah. then someone's like, dude, you have Luris. So you're like, son of a... <laughs> yeah. No, I think that would be a great, a great like, one-off sideboard card for heavy removal matchups. Um, and, but Luris is also insane in those matchups, and you never have to draw it naturally. Like, it's just way it's just way better. I, I'm honestly yeah. very annoyed by the, the continued existence of Luris. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this card... Ha- this card... I think this deck has my top three cards for banning in Modern. If you want to talk about ban stuff, I think all three of them are in this deck. Luris, Urza Saga, and... 
Are you talking about Bobble? Yeah. So, some, most lists don't have Bobble. Sometimes you see one as a as a tutor I, target. I'm, I'm looking at a list that uh, right now I just had some pulled up so I would know the names of the cards and have like you know you you know you yeah. just need to look at the deck sometimes. And this one's the more uh, zero cast oriented like all in version where it has like Mimnite, Onithopter. I mean they have Paradise Mantle in their deck and Mishra's Bobble's like. So ever some lists play Paradise Mantle, some play Drum. More play Drum than not. The advantage of Paradise Mantle obviously is it's an equipment for um for pure steel, so you can yeah, draw cards off it. But it's just card, it's just yeah. way worse as a mana creator than yeah. Drum is. So um I advocated playing one Paradise Mantle. So if like you needed to search for it, you could. Um not sure that that's right. Um but so, yeah, some lists play Bobble, mo- most don't. I think playing one would be fine. Um, but I wouldn't really want to play more than that. Like you don't have the shuffle effects that go really well with it because you're not playing fetch lands and like you're a deck that really gets punished for having to wait a turn to, to draw the card. Uh, so I usually like playing Bobble more in decks with instant speed interaction. Uh, but you, the, the deck is, I mean, it, it, I remember when it first became a thing, I think it was Tom Ross who built it and it was like a Boros deck and it played like magmatic theft as a way to equip things. And it just was very meme And over the last like year or two, it's just gotten so many additions and refinements yeah. And now, finally, with with Modern Horizons 2, like, there are just no bad cards left in the deck. Everything is either, like, an underpowered enabler for really powerful synergies or a, pe- like a key piece of card advantage and your curve is incredibly low. And, like, there's just, there's just no more fluff. Yeah, because, like, I think the biggest thing is you, you have X amount of the weakest card in Modern in your deck, which is just basic planes, right? <laughs> it's the, easily the weakest car, card in Modern. But then, like... Now you have four lands, I'm sorry, eight lands that are, like, busted, right? You have Ink Moth Nexus, and you have Urza Saga now. And, like, you, you see that when you see Infect, that, like, all the draws in Infect, as long as it's not your only land, if they involved, in, like, if, as long as you have a green source or whatever, right? All the draws that involve Ink Moth Nexus were broken, because, like, you're doing stuff and making them interact to your board, and then you're like, oh, if you ever show, you know, weakness or don't have a flying block or whatever, this land now has a ton of value kind yeah. of thing, right? And, and and without it, like, you would be really weak to Heliod decks, right? And mm-hmm. that might be an easy way to go. But you yeah, just exactly. have a built-in resilience to that yep. angle of attack. Also, like, they get to play the uh, the Modern Horizons 1 uh, draw card lands, like the Horizon Canopy lands. Yeah. You know, they play usually about four of those, right? And you can just play Silent Clearing, you know, or whatever one you want. You know, you could play... I mean, it doesn't matter, right? They don't play an actual black card anywhere, right? Yeah, so. there used to be lists that splashed black. That is yeah. now just not really a thing anymore. Now you often see a split both for opposing Pithing Needle purposes, mm-hmm. because Needle is definitely a thing, but also because they often have some prismatic endings in the sideboard, and so you mm-hmm. randomly get some prismatic ending yeah. equity. I, two, I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see them switch over to Portable Hole. Um, oh, you know, okay. a little is awkward. also an artifact? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an artifact, so like you know, counts towards metalcraft, but also can be killed. But you have so many other things that are being killed, and it just you know, naturally for one mana hitting two drops is really really nice. That tempo swing. Can you get that with uh, Urza Saga? You can get that. With no, Urza no, Saga, no. Right? it has to have mana cost zero or one. Okay, yeah, yeah. If yeah, it was so if it was mana it. value, then everybody would have just been finding lotus blooms and killing killing it. Oh, that's right. Because you have to get something to call. It. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It calls exactly they, that. And that, that that's was, what I was asking. I was like, I know there's a there's a there's yeah. a thing here. There was a development change to that card to prevent people from getting lotus bloom and, and shit like that. So so that's that's why that's why that changed. Is just so this could be better. But uh, yeah, so like obviously, I think that this is like the tier zero deck right now, or like zero point five, like the deck that you need to. You need to know that you can beat this deck, or that like you can keep up with it. 
in playing tournament because trying to dodge this deck is probably not a good idea right now if you're trying to play competitive modern. It's getting popular. It's starting to show up in a lot of places. It's not absurdly expensive, though I, I think you will be a little surprised on the on the monetary value of some of these cards, especially the uncommons and stuff like that are in the set. But like I said, just not, you know, thousands of dollars like some modern decks. Like, you know, you're looking at foil jund and stuff. But one of the things I want to talk about is like some of the decks that people are starting to play or like some of the changes that people are starting to make that can compete with this. Because one of the decks that I thought could compete with this was the like the red black aspiring spike deck, right? Because I've heard people who play the hammer time deck say they're not scared of one of the other, but both when it comes to like the cheap hand disruption and removal, right? Because when you pair them both together, it makes your removal better, right? Like when you see their hand, you see what tricks they have. You you can take the specific, you know, thing out of their hand, like the cigar is eight, so now they can't instant speed their equipment. Or you take the hammer out of their hand, so now they don't have a equipment to use with their Sarkata's aid when you're on the draw kind of thing, right? Yeah. I'm also much less scared of counter spells just because they're so much less efficient. Like, it's your deck is all ones and twos, and the counter spells start at two mana. Yeah. So, you're... It's like you said, you could just, like, make them hold up that mana for the whole game, and you're way more mana efficient than they are. You know what people should start playing again is fucking Spell Snare. Like, you need to get more ah. efficient. Everybody's playing a million two-drops. Like, we need to see yeah. more fucking spell snares in these blue decks. You might be right. And speaking of that, this is kind of where I was leading. I was talking about the Spike deck. Uh, have you seen the new versions of Spike's deck that play blue in it now? Like, Jerry T was championing it quite a bit. Uh, Daryl Ayers said he went 20-0 and 0 with it at one point online. And I've seen some streamers are taking it up. And it's just, it's just good old-fashioned Grixis. And it feels like, it really feels like the Grixis... Delver and the Grixis Delverlish Delver decks that got popular, you know, when they moved to like Jace's Vren's Prodigy and more of like the controlling version, it feels like that kind of deck now. And what it is, is it's just, it's just like the red black deck that Spike put together, like the same creature stuff, right? It doesn't have the, the double black creature anymore, but like, you know, you're looking at Dragon Rage Chandler and, and Ragavans, you're looking at maybe a Cross or whatever, but you're looking at four Snapcaster Mage now. And that's like the real reason to have blue in it is that expressive iteration and uh, Drown in the Lock. Is like the the big thing that they're doing, and you're a Luris deck, so they get to play like Seal of Removal, which is pretty good against like Hammer Time, and it's good with their own creatures too. You can like Seal of Removal your own Snapcaster Mages and get some value there. And so this is a deck that like with copies of Unholy Heat, Terminate, which by the way people are starting to play Terminate now because of Murktide Regent, because of these creatures getting big. Yeah. So you're seeing that card come back, and you're seeing Lightning Bolt, Colgon's Command, and Drown of the Lot come back. You know, and getting all this value and casting these all over again. You know, Drown of the Lock is like the one counter spell I can see myself being okay with against the Hammer deck. You know, because it's also a proactive spell and stuff. So, like, obviously this is a deck I would gravitate towards too, but it's just, it's my kind of magic deck. Not to mention Copagon's Command can go pretty far in that matchup, you know, being able to kill something or being able to two for one at times. But like you said, none of the stuff matches up perfectly at all times against that deck too. And I think that's why it's so strong. Yeah, I do think K Command is a, is a great option, uh, and also good in all of these mirrors. So uh, I'm looking at Daryl's list that he tweeted, and he has three K Commands in the main. That seems great. Um, I I think Dothy Voidwalker was the worst card in the Rakdos deck, so making that swap for Snapcaster Mage seems awesome to me. I, th I think this is a a step above the Rakdos deck. I think we you know the Rakdos deck is hung around. It's clearly good, but this to me seems like a, a noticeable improvement on that deck. Uh, especially for the current metagame, I think you need to get a little bit more of that card advantage that Snapcaster provides against uh, these creature combo decks. You just have more and more cheap removal against them. Um, I like the you know your engine explosives out of the sideboard get even better. You get some counter spells in matchups where you want some counter spells. 
Drown on the Lock is really just a really good magic card. So I, I like this deck quite a bit. Um, I, I think if I were playing the Rakdos deck, I would be looking right now to move over to this version, um, presuming that, that you have access to the cards. And then, and then Iteration, also more just good, efficient card advantage. Um, so yeah, everything about this looks great to me. Um, and I would be very surprised if this did not get adopted by the community, you know, within the next week <laughs> as the default version. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, I'm going to gravitate towards this deck anyway, but I think it's really, really good. And you're seeing, you know, MH2 having, a, you know, a real big impact again, you know, in, in these formats with, I mean... We've seen modern actually like that the two best creatures in modern or two of the best creatures in modern just got printed in the last month. You know, Vragavan and and Darcy, you know, Dragon Race Chandler. And you're seeing these decks that like it's a good offensive, like aggressive threat for the matchups where they need to be, but also they're just like good value cards as the game goes on too. So like in the other matchups where, you know, you're you're picking and choosing your time to attack and then like you're getting to kind of surveil with Dragon Race Chandler, like I've just been more impressed and impressed with these cards and it's kind of unreal how just how good they are and the power creep that's going on in modern. Cause as you see, like just everything costs one now or two. And yeah, it's... we're seeing a, a fundamental shift in the rules of engagement for modern. And honestly, I, I've, I think we're seeing a much larger impact on the format than we did in modern horizons one, save for the fact that Hogak was broken. Um, and the I would compare this era of modern right now to the era that was post Fatal Push being printed, and Grave Troll and Probe were banned, and there was this efficiency out of the fair decks in the in the Shadow decks first Jun Shadow and then eventually Grixis with Snapcaster Mages like we're seeing now. Uh, you just didn't see green in the initial list because there's just no need to be playing Tarmogoyf uh, anymore, and that was really the the motivation for green and. So those decks like, created a huge shift because Fatal Push, it just changed the way we were able to to play play games. And it made certain cards a lot better and certain cards a lot worse. And these cheap red creatures and also Unholy Heat as an additional really good cheap red removal spell. Like that core of four Channeler, four Bolt, three Raghavan, three Unholy Heat that basically all of these red mid-range decks play, whether it's Prowess decks... Uh, well, Prowse doesn't play Raghavan, but, um, like, you know, any version of the, like, Jeskai, is it sort of mid-range decks or Rakdos or now Grixis is all, is just so, so strong. And it's so different than anything we've seen before. We haven't seen that, like, the, these are decks that are operating at a, at a, a near legacy level of efficiency. They're just missing days, days and force of will, which is a, a big deal. You know, don't get me wrong, but, they're operating at a level of efficiency that modern has yet to see. And it's going to disrupt the format. And I think it's no surprise that these are the decks that are performing well week in and week out. Because it, initially it was, you know, Amulet Titan and food decks, and now it's hammer decks. And there, there's always something else that's doing really well. And it's usually the matchups that these decks, the current lists of these decks are unprepared for. And I think we'll see these decks figure something out and be better against those hammer decks next weekend. And then that'll open up another hole that you can take advantage of. But these are the decks that are going to be good week in, week out. And as long as you stay ahead of the metagame, you're going to have a really good deck. Whereas if you don't play them, then you have to change decks every single week. And I think we're going to see this pattern for a couple months until 
we start until we really figure these decks out and find some holes that find something that they don't have a great answer for and something that can stick around as a major rival to them the same way we we did with shadow uh you know storm was a big one as a very resilient resilient deck and also uh humans was a big one that emerged because of the printing of unclaimed territory that fall but for that uh dredge was another one uh but for that spring and summer like you know those shadow decks were just incredibly incredibly good uh, it felt like it was the only deck you could play in modern for a little while. Yeah. It, like it was so far ahead of everything else. Yeah, and like that. one week Eldrazi Tron beat it, and then they put three ceremonious rejections in their sideboard. And like yeah, one exactly. week Dredge would beat it, then they put three Nile spell bombs in their sideboard. And one week, you know, something else would beat it. Humans was a big one for them. Like those those good vile decks to take advantage of all your discard and had they had like Mantis Rider was very good against Fatal Push because it forced them to always have the fetch land, but that deck want, needed to use its fetch lands more aggressively because of Shadow. Right. Like little things like that were what we needed to find to sort of you know find find a little ways that we could attack them and make things awkward for them, and that's what we're gonna have to find with these decks. I don't know if it's gonna be something about attacking the like one toughness nature of these early threats, but like Lava Dart clearly hasn't been enough. Um, and like, you know, I don't know if you want to like cast Knight of Souls Betrayal against them, but eventually DRCs become two twos and Knight of Souls Betrayal costs four fucking banner and they also have Croxa. So I don't know what, like what you're doing. It, it's really, it, it's going to be tough, but like we're, we're going to find something. I just think it's going to take a while because these decks are so good and a lot of the best players are just going to gravitate towards tuning these lists anyway. Um, and I think that like, you know, this Grixis version looks really, really good to me. Yeah, I mean, I just want to play it more and more after looking at it. I will say this. I love your idea of playing um, Spell Snare somewhere in, in Modern right now because it does look like it's really well positioned. Um, yeah. especially I, I wouldn't play it in the Strixis deck, but in like the, the Murktide Regent decks, like I would have, I would have one or two Spell Snares in my yeah. list. And it's it's pretty good too. Like I think people underestimate the impact it has on a match where like they know that it's in your deck. You get a small amount of value off that too. You know, especially my when, if everybody's putting in terminate to kill your Murktides, and you just go yeah. turn like turn three Murktide Regent, go spell snare your terminate. <laughs> like, yeah, GG. Nice tech, idiot. Well, I mean, like, people are starting to play Flusterstorm and stuff now too for that kind of effect as well. Like I've seen, excuse me, I've seen other things coming up too. I'm not saying just for that or whatever, but do you want to know what my favorite part about this Grixis deck is Ross? What? It unbanned Snapcaster Mage. In modern, yeah, I, I don't think I've seen four Snapcaster Mages in a modern deck in a long time. I don't think I've seen Snapcaster in a deck in modern in a long time. Like oh, maybe no. one. Somewhere. When, when Mystic Sanctuary was around, you saw yeah, some Snapcasters. Okay. But I just meant in like the last few months, right? Yeah, like, I feel like the card just like didn't exist anymore. Yeah, I, I would see like one sometimes in these Merktide decks. They're like, yeah, I'll have one Snapcaster Mage. It's like my yeah, exactly. clunky like Im card. I don't want to draw yeah. it early, but it's a nice card to draw late. Yeah. I agree with you. Snapcaster is such a fun card. I own four of them. I'd like them to be yeah. playable. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know. They've, they've recouped all their value again, too. They're back to being like a 50 or $60 card. Because I'll tell you this. What have they dropped it? Deck, uh, they were down to like, you know, I don't know, like a, a reasonable amount, like 35 to 40 at one point. I, I don't know exactly, but it, they yeah. were more like, you're like, this card's so cheap. And then you think about it, and you're like, yeah, what is it actually played in? It's not played in anything, you know, but they're back up to being expensive again, is what I'm saying. But that is one thing I will say this. If you're a magic player is a little more like on a budget or you don't already have some of these pieces. This deck is expensive. Yeah. This Grixis deck is unreal expensive. So I, yeah, no. So the, yeah, this is not a, not a budget friendly deck. It's probably one of the more expensive. Uh, yeah. Especially the Grixis version. Now you have the most expensive fetch lands and 
you know, you black snapcasters in the so deck. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 out of the. So you have no cheap lands, like you know what I mean, because you only have like three basics in the whole deck. Like all your lands are like averaging thirty something dollars. You know, your creatures are extremely expensive in Ragavan and Snapcaster Mage. Like even the like uncommons in your deck are like five dollars a piece or whatever. You know, like Inquisition. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, expressive iteration, and then you're looking at like Bobble being, you know, a twenty dollar card almost now and stuff. And that's the other thing too is they do play Bobble in this deck, and I do think this deck could recover from it if Bobble got banned, and like you could you could still play some version of this deck. But like, there's always the chance that Bobble gets banned in the next like six. I I think I do think that's the first card that goes if it starts to happen. I I, I think that that is like the next card on the chopping block in modern Bobble. Yeah, I really, really do. I know no, I said it a few I, months ago. I agree. And, like, and, and I, I said it a few months ago on the show. Like, I, d- I definitely said it, like, a while ago. And, like, now it's becoming... I'm not saying that, like, I was ahead of everything. I'm saying, you know, it's becoming more and more of, like, people are starting to realize it. It's kind of like... I don't think we were doing a podcast. I think I was doing a different one. And people were talking about how good Grixis Delver was in Legacy. And, like, that's when, like, the first time he started the inklings of, like, maybe we could ban Deathrite Shaman. And people were asking me about it. And I'm like, you should ban Probe first. I was like, probe is the card. That's the problem. They banned you know? both of those at the same time, right? They did. Yeah, they did. Um, Dude, can you imagine some of the decks that we have now with fucking Gitaxian probe? Like, I thought about probe in like, is it Phoenix? And is it Phoenix is, would be an embarrassing deck at this point. Like, the format is just too efficient. Can you imagine playing Gitaxian probe with Dragon's Rage Channeler and these yeah, prowess decks? Like, yeah, cards like Dragon's Rage Channeler or the the cards that like. Even even other cards would sort of sneak in. The ones that do like dr- when you draw your second card a turn, do some of these things because like you have some really absurd. Because like they're meant to be played, wait a turn, and then get some value. They'd be good stuff with that. Any like you know any of the sprite dragon, young pyromancer, deathrite shaman. I mean, I'm sorry, not deathrite shaman. Uh, dragon rage chandler. Any of those cards, like all of them, are good. I almost feel card. like the only reason any of these cards saw the light of day is because probe got banned. Yeah, probe. So yeah. Exactly, and like, what a fucked up I mean, dude, there, there's also little value with it too, like little values here or there, because like there's games where like you can probe your opponent and know their hand, and you know how to play with Ragavan better too. You're like, well, I need to be dashing my Ragavan this game, or I need to be like playing it out this game. You know, just like even the smallest little things, like you know, we talked about how broken probe was back in the day for certain stuff. I remember one of the first times I used it because I used to use it in Timber Delver back in the day. It was like I'd like to I like to cast it to see if I need to leave up Stifle on turn one. You know, just even the littlest things. And yeah, I'm so glad Probe is not legal. I mean, because, like, think about, like, the, the value you get off of it from other cards, too. Like, Kroxa and all this stuff. And, like, can you imagine Probe being legal with uh, Dredo Arcanist as well? Like, your Arcanist, like, it's just another way to draw cards and churn through your deck. Like, that just seems insane to me. Like, yeah, pitching it, it to Force yeah, Negation, I'm so glad that card's oh, it, would, it would be un- way too good. Way too yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So... Do you think there's any other decks in uh, modern right now that like you'd be really, really, you know, thinking about playing this weekend, or are these like your two? Because for me, these are these are my two, or the or the Murktide deck, just because it's like my type of deck. Yeah, and yeah, I, I would say the exact same thing. I think the uh, the Grixis deck is less my style, but looks really cool. The Murktide deck, as far as fair decks, would be more my style, and I still think is good, though getting worse. Um, I would I would definitely adopt Spell Snare. I'm not sure. Like, I, lists have been going away from Archmage's Charm, which I think is good. I like, I, I like, like one of that card, and I would start trimming on just Counterspell. I think Counterspell is, is a not in a great position right now in Modern. I think I would rather just interact with the board a little bit more, um, and you know, maybe have like two or three Counterspells in my deck instead of four. Um, 
you know, the, the, again, the, like, the more efficient a format gets, the worse two mana counter spells get, even if it's as versatile as actual counter spells. So, um, yeah, I think spell snare is great. I could see, um, I'm wondering, like, you know, Flusterstorm is a fine sideboard card or spell pierce, something to that effect. You know, you could, um, yeah, I, I just think spell snare is, is definitely an underrated card right now. So, um, you know, if I were to play the, the Merktide region deck, I would put in some work and try to have a, like a, an, an updated list, uh, a very forward thinking list and different and, and non stock. Uh, Grixis, I think you can play as, as pretty stock. I think that's just a, a you know that deck just seems good stock. An evolutionary yeah, yeah. step forward, uh, and and add some things that the deck needed. I don't think like Dothy Voidwalker is an okay card, but I think getting it out of the deck and playing something like Snapcaster, getting more card advantage, is really valuable. Um, and then yeah, the the Hammer deck is just great, and you just have to like be able to play it really well because people are people are going to know how to play against you now. Like you're not going to get yeah. as many free wins from people just fucking up. And for anyone at home thinking about like, oh, why don't we just combine the two? Why don't we just put Murktide into the Grixis deck? Don't do that. That doesn't that doesn't work. It it makes your Snapcasters infinitely worse. Yeah, you all, you and, also like need to play Thought Scour and the and the Rakdos deck. Like you can't mm-hmm. play Thought Scour and Thoughtseize. Or I guess yeah. you can't. Like that. Like you. Yeah. You, you like you just can't. You you, you physically can. You're allowed. But yeah. Yeah. yeah you just, it's it's right, just so, not the same deck. I don't know if you. I'm sure you've heard of this, obviously, because we talked about talking about this on the show. But for people at home, they might not all, all know this. There's been a new format that people have been playing technically for about the last week, about a week, right? Week and a half on Arena. Yeah. I think whatever, for anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's called Standard 2022. And what it is, is it's just rotated standard. And they're letting people play this on Arena as a format. So you can play without... Because like, I know people got tired of hearing about it, right? When we would talk about new cards, and we're like, well, we like this card, but we don't like it until Throne of Eldraine rotates. And we just kept yeah. talking about that. And so this is a format where that has happened, where you get to play all this new stuff. So like you're seeing some of the new cards get played, some of the D and D cards are getting played, which is really cool. You're seeing a new standard. I will say it's a little crazy because believe it or not, and I know we try not to you know harp too much. They've already had a card banned in this format, Ross, uh, and it's not one you would have thought of right away. Yeah, it's the White Book. The Book of Exalted Deals has actually been banned in this format, and I'm going to read this card off to people because if. If you're a paper player, you haven't even seen this card yet. Like, it's not even out yet in paper. But the card is white, white, white for a legendary artifact. It says, the beginning of your upkeep... Uh, I'm sorry, the beginning of your instep. If you gain three or more life this turn, create a 3-3 white angel creature token of flying. That's not the reason it's banned, though. The reason it's banned is it has an ability that says, white, 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 tap it. Exile the Book of Exalted Deals. Put an enlightened counter on target angel. It gains. You can't lose the game, and your opponents can't win the game. Activate owns the sorcery. So, it makes something into Platinum Angel, right? Here's where the problem is. If you activate the Book of Exalted Deals onto... Um, Faceless Haven. Faceless Haven, since it's all creature types, so it's an angel, uh, and you never activate the Faceless Haven after that, most decks in the format are cold to it, and you don't die to, to mill either. So your opponent just eventually dies. And the big problem with this is that Standard 2022 is like mostly, I think, a best of one. Or it's only, only a best, best of, of one. one format. And so there's just like... You can't just have LD in your... You can't just have an LD spell in your deck, right? Like, I guess not. And, like, so they're like, yeah, instead of, you know, changing this or fixing it or whatever, we're just going to take this out. And it's not, like, something that's going to dominate standard or anything like that, but it's just something they had to take out because it was ruining the experience, I think, for too many people. Uh, we could, we don't have to go into the fact that they made another terrible decision here with the economy of Arena because it's just a shit show anyway. Yeah. But 
I, I got to say, I'm excited for being able to play Standard and see what Standard's going to look like in the future already. You know, have, have y'all played this yet on Versus Live? So the, actually, uh, while I was out on Tuesday, Brad they and played Corey it. played it. Uh, I, did, I haven't watched that episode, uh, but know that I talked to Corey a little bit today when we were doing the show, and he said that, you know, it was great and way better than regular Standard. Like, you know, we normally do well on Versus when we're preview season and we're playing new cards and everybody's hyped. This was the least hyped preview season I've ever seen, and I've been doing Versus for five years now. Uh, and it's probably the least hyped preview season I've ever seen for any set, and I've been playing Magic for almost 20 years. So uh, very, very telling that people are just so sick of Throne Standard. And even some of the things from the other sets, you know, Yorian and, and Emergent Ultimatum and Ikoria and the escape cards in, in uh, Theros Beyond Death. Uh, you know, all of those have contributed to this very stale, stagnant standard metagame. And to me, like, why didn't they just, like, ban a bunch of cards and let us play, like, a fun new format and maybe even utilize, like, cards that haven't seen play from those sets that are about to rotate and actually have some fun with them? Why don't they fully flesh out this format and let us play best of three with it? Then they would have only had to ban book and best of one and we can, like, play some fun book decks in best of three where you can really board in answers to it. And what, like, I just don't under, understand, like, why they're taking this weird half measure. And it, it just feels like they are, everything feels like they're being very reactive. And Reactionary. Yeah. yeah. None of these, none of these issues were hard to foresee because everybody has been anticipating the, the rotation of Throne of Eldraine. Everybody's waiting for it. Nobody gives a shit about standard because there's no reason to play it. And this really fun modern set just came out and the format's rejuvenated and we're going to get rotation soon anyway. So we'll, everybody's just like, yeah, I'll wait a couple months and I'll figure out what's in adventures and we'll start playing standard again. So like, wh why are you just letting us mire in this stagnant lame duck format that nobody wants? Like you, it's your show. You get to make the rules. It's, it's, it's your party. <laughs> Exactly right. Like this is a really good point that you're bringing up, and you know I talked about it with the fact that you're you gave a standard 2022, right? And you're obviously paying attention to it since you banned a card. You're seeing people are hyped about it, and I'm sure there's monetary reasons to the contrary. But why don't you just fucking rotate the stuff already? Like why don't you just give everybody what they want, right? And here's the other thing, right? Like I think your idea is good, where like you either rotate it or you just ban all like the super powerful stuff real quick and like let people play a different format with some of the cards that they already have in their collection but didn't get to play with or you know what i kind of want to see for like the last month just unban everything yeah just, that that would be fun too or or the wild fucking west out there it's like fires versus oko versus you know versus all the, you know i'm gonna agent of treachery or oko that's on like eight and shit like but all you, you would also just have to give people all of those cards on arena yeah, that's the I, problem. Like, if you yeah. made people buy use wild cards for two months to playing that, I would that would be really shitty. So you, you would have to do the right thing: just give people all the cards on arena, and uh, you know, let them play with them for a few months and see what the fuck this format was supposed to be like. I guess in its ridiculous ridiculous state, um, or you can just bet. Like, can you imagine if they banned Edgewall Innkeeper, Lovestruck Beast, Bone Crusher Giant, Emergent Ultimatum, Yorian? and like croxa yeah have fun and embercleave yeah well maybe you leave embercleave just so there would be an aggressive deck because like, no, i mean there's still the mono white deck like I'm, I'm worried about how good the mono white deck is in this hypothetical format like but like you could beat the mono white deck ban those seven cards <laughs> 
You don't even really have to ban Crocs, actually. Like, ban the other six and, and see what happens. Yeah, and so, because here's the thing. We're all super, super bored of standard right now, right? And, I mean, obviously, like, you know, I'm a little jaded from my own perspective. And, you know, when I talk about, you know, this is what people want, it's the perspective, like, of the, the vocal voices that you see on, like, Twitter and stuff, right? But, you know, for every argument that I've seen of people that are like, I actually kind of like standard or whatever, I see a hundred other people saying, you know, like, can we just rotate this stuff already? And you're seeing people have a lot of discussions on maybe rotations not happening soon enough and stuff like that. So very, very interesting to see what's going on with standard uh, 2022. Do you just call it standard 22? Like, what do you, what's the, is there like a, a way to say this without saying 2020? I don't know, whatever. Anyway, um, I'll say this, it, it, it's something that'll get me to play standard on arena. I mean, I haven't done that in God knows how long because I thought that format was really bad and boring and stuff, but overall, uh, pretty cool. Very interested in it, but, um, it's, it's kind of weird. They already had a ban a card. It's up to, which is, which is crazy. And they didn't give wild cards to people for this ban, but I kind of get it since it's not really a real format. It won't be here. You know what I mean? When it's like the real thing and like, hopefully you didn't spend wild cards on it because it is a mythic. So hopefully you didn't spend too many wild cards on it. And I'm sorry if you did at home, but it'll be legal again in like what a month and a half or whatever, two months, whenever the next set comes out. So hopefully it won't be too big of a hindrance to you on there. Uh, we've, we've known since we've known for quite a while, the, the, the resource system on arena is a joke. It's really, really bad and stuff. So, and that's not me trying to make an excuse. And that's not me saying that it's okay. I'm just I'm siding with you. I'm saying that you know that's that is really really bad. So I know, like every every decision they make just seems half baked. Every single one, and like just obviously so. And every single one of us just looks at them like, why didn't you just do why? And we're probably miss like obviously like we're gonna miss some things. We have different priorities than they do. But like they're posting record fucking profits like just do something good get some good pr you pieces of shit <laughs> yeah y'all are probably gonna i don't know if you could hear this but you're probably gonna hear my dog guest on the stream here in a minute it's uh, about her dinner time and so uh we might need to speed this episode up a little bit uh natalie's not home and my dog is very hungry and she is uh very vocal when she's hungry and no one's feeding I, her I've, so. I've said my piece about this format i don't really know much of what's actually going on in it uh, I just wanted to talk about like the optics of it, and we've done that. So why don't we move into some mailbag overrated, underrated? Oh, I'm I'm excited about that. Let's do that. All right, let me see if we got any. It doesn't look like we have mailbag this week, but we can get into some of this overrated, underrated. Maybe clear out some of this backlog that we got going on over here. And uh, the first one is going to be really good for you, Ross. Uh, this one is from DLC. It just says Doc Rivers. Um, I'm gonna go underrated. I think most people well, I'm don't. I'm kind of surprised really... by that. Well, I think most people don't understand, um, like, all the roles of a coach, and they, bl like, most people just don't understand what is going on on an NBA basketball court. Well, let's start with that. And that, that this is not NBA specific. Like, most fans of any sport do not have the in-depth knowledge necessary to truly understand what is going on on the field of play of the sport that they're watching. You know, I, I know a fair bit. I think I know more than most NBA fans, and I'm still generally lost when I'm watching and like, and most coaches will even tell you like even their read of like exactly what went wrong with a, with a game is not 
always accurate until they watch the film and like see it's everything slowed down what you know and get like because when you're in the middle of it you're you're almost too close to it um to to see everything so um yeah and you miss the forest for the trees so and generally like i think i would generally just say every coach is underrated like there are coaches that are that have gotten shit on a lot in the last three to five years budenholzer is another one milwaukee's coach like any coach that just doesn't win, like as soon as you win, everyone thinks you're great and you get all the leeway in the world. Notice how like mediocre Greg Popovich has been since Tim Duncan retired and like they're losing with the, the national team right now, just lost two, two warm up games in a row for the Olympics. And like, he's their coach. Like notice how mediocre like Rick Carlisle has been. He's starting to take some heat after not winning forever, but he won a title in 2011. And that's just, so like most fan opinions in any sport is just based on who won. Last year, every Miami player was overrated because they made that run to the finals. This year, every Milwaukee and Phoenix player is going to be overrated in the offseason. That's just how it works. And yeah, like they, I would say Phoenix underperformed a little bit this year, especially like, especially losing to Atlanta as opposed to losing to one of the other two great teams in the East, Brooklyn or Milwaukee. Um, but like, it's just hard to win in the NBA and Doc Rivers consistently wins. Sure, he has good rosters, but He's, a, you know, I think a big part of coaching is just motivating players to play hard. There's been, there was been some locker room issues supposedly in the, in the Clippers last year and in a lot of his years in LA, but it's just so hard for any of us to know exactly like what went on, how much of that is his fault. Uh, like, so, you know, I think generally he takes a lot of the flack for those issues and it's likely that he doesn't deserve as much as he takes. So like it's a low confidence underrated but underrated okay cool i i don't have an opinion on this one uh the next one is from cathal it's chicago deep dish pizza i'm gonna let you go with this one first as well since you just said you had some good pizza back home and i'm assuming this is gonna be a long answer maybe i should go feed my dog while you're doing this <laughs> okay Woosa. let's get this straight normally the debate here is about whether or not it actually like counts as pizza. It, it, it's not if it's good or not. It's is this actually yeah. pizza? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, it's not pizza. I like it, it's just a whole different thing. But I don't want to get into the weeds of that debate because that debate just masks the fact that it's not good. It is one of the most overrated things in the entire world. Like if I had a top ten things that are most overrated, deep dish pizza is near the top. It is, it's just not good. Like, so much of what makes pizza good is that incredible balance of flavors and textures. And deep dish pizza just completely blows that away and like disregards it. Instead, you have way too much cheese all the time on these things. The, the texture of the cornbread crust can, not cornbread, but cornmeal crust can sometimes be like, be pretty good. But it's a little bit too biscuity because it has to be really thick to hold up to the, to the, uh, you know, weight of everything inside of it. And so, you know, you don't get often that like fluffy interior that you get with Sicilian style thick crust pizza. You don't get as much of the crispiness that you get with that, that Neapolitan thin crust pizza. There's just way too much of everything. The top, everything, the ratios are just all out of whack. And to me, it's like, it's I. It's just not good, and it 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 loses everything about pizza that makes pizza delicious, and just 
is a monument to excess. They're just like, what if we made a pizza that had three extra pounds of shit on it? And you're just like, I don't want that. I want a pizza that is actually well made and has an appropriate amount of toppings on it. Like, I don't even like it when people get pizza with like seven different toppings. I just think that's excessive and you're overcomplicating everything. Like, I max out at like three toppings. I ne- I almost never want to get more than that. Um, unless you're talking about like, you know, throwing a little garlic on there, like, like sort of accoutrement kind of things, like a little, you know, and so, but when you start getting this just like giant mound of meat and cheese and sauce, that's just a, basically a casserole, like, and you, you have to eat it with a fucking fork because the thing weighs like seven tons. You can only ever eat one slice. It, nothing about it is appealing or good. And I'm tired of having to pretend that it is. I'm just <laughs> open. I'm like, I'm, I've have done this on Twitter many times too. I am just openly contempt, like, uh, I have open and, and flagrant contempt for deep dish pizza. It's, it's off. All right, I'm going to have a little fun with you today. Over the next, like, four or five or whatever amount that we do with these, I'm going to let you go first, and then I'm going to have you guess what you think my answer is going to be, whether I think it's overrated or underrated. Okay. So let's start with this one. I, th- I think you have good taste in food, so I think you're going to say overrated. Uh, I actually think it's underrated. I actually like Chicago deep dish pizza, but I don't... Okay, I need to be in the mood for, like, traditional Chicago style, right? Because that's, like, like you said, one piece is a ton of food. Like, when I order pizza, like... One of my favorite cheat meals is I just get the like pan pizza or whatever it is, their deep dish version of Domino's pizza to my house, and I just destroy well, that's that. That's more Detroit style pizza. Yeah. That and so, like, I pizza. like that a lot. Like, I actually like my pizza to have a little more substance to them and like a, a lot of stuff. No, that, um, that, I have that, to can, take that stuff can be good. Detroit style pizza is good. Yeah. But I do like Chicago time to time. In fact, I have like a really funny story. Uh, I have to let you see at some point. I think we have it recorded. It was from my, um, the, the day before the rehearsal dinner. Uh, where Nathan Zamora talked about me getting into a food eating contest with him at one point and it involved Chicago style pizza at a place like who could eat the most slices or whatever. So I'll, maybe I'll even tell that story one day on the, uh, on the podcast. It's, it's pretty good or I'll somehow have it on here, but I actually like it. So, um, yeah, um, well, I, I like my pizza to be either like bigger than normal or like thin crust most of the time, but sure. it's mostly probably because we don't have traditionally really good pizza where I live. Though there is a New York style pizza place near me that's just great. All right, so the well, next one get, is if from, you want thick crust pizza, get Sicilian pizza. Like that exists. That's a thing. Yeah. My my dog is throwing a fit. All right, uh, from Zero Cool uh, seventeen ten, they say unsanctioned basics. Are these the the ones that look like Pokemon energy cards? No, that's Theros Beyond Death. Okay. Um, what is? Do you mean unstable basics? Unsanctioned. No, there's three different. There's three different ones. The unsanctioned ones are the ones that um, they were more full art with like the ring that kind of went around the 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 thing. If you get what I'm saying, like they have the ring of where the picture would be, and then it like kind of extends beyond that. Kind of. That's the only way I can I can think of of how to. Are you googling it right now? Yeah. Oh. Oh, I remember these. No, the, yeah, the, these actually look pretty cool. I think these are underrated. They 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 remind me very much of unglued lands, which I always thought were better than unhinged lands. That's what they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not a I'm not a big fan of them because they still just like they just don't look like magic cards to me. They just they're they're too heavily stylized. Um, but I, I like them more than unhinged lands, for example. And unhinged lands were like you know the gold standard for many years. So many people had them. Um, 
But the, these, I, I think, look fine, and I don't. I rarely see that people play with them, so underrated. All right, what do you think my answer is? Um, underrated. I also think they're underrated, and for pretty much the exact reason you said at the end, that this is a underused drip, or whatever the kids call it in Magic nowadays, because all the other ones were definitely more in vogue than these. And I like them. I like them a lot. They look really cool in person. I've seen them in person. They look really great. But I haven't played against too many people that just have enough of these to play them as all their basics in their deck. So wish us all more. All right. Uh, Leo the Magic Man has fried plantains. Uh, incredibly underrated. I love plantains. Um, and really, no matter how you want to do them. But the fried sweet pl- sweet t- uh, plantains are incredible. Chastones, the double fried, more savory ones, excellent. Plantains are great, so underrated. All right, what do you think my answer is? Um, I imagine your you have a high appreciation for Latin cuisine, so underrated. Yeah, obviously, I would probably get kicked out of my own house or whatever here. Yeah, uh, Natalie's family is from Ecuador. This is a very common dish or just adding yeah. stuff there fried plantains are fucking amazing they're they're really really yeah good. Very, yeah. not as common in in mexican cuisine in terms of latin yeah. american but very common in, in the caribbean and very yeah. common in central america south america uh, they're yes. they're great um i actually just had some yesterday yeah uh, I, I haven't had enough of them lately i had some uh, in an arepa because we have a good ooh, arepa place sounds... downtown that sounds amazing, and we're going there the next time I'm in. Yeah, had, bl- had black beans, mozzarella cheese, and fried plantains in an arepa with a nice little, uh, nice little sauce on top. It was great. That sounds amazing. Uh, I had a lot of it when I was in Ecuador. All right, Rakamar says the runner starting on second base in the extra inning rule. Incredibly overrated. I think it is. This is just a, this is another half measure to solve a, a real problem that exists, but doesn't actually solve it. And like. It just makes everything worse. Like it, it, it. Like those extra innings moments are really exciting and really tense, and you reduce the amount of tension the times they do happen, and don't really meaningfully impact the average length of a game, which is what it's trying to to solve. So I think this is just generally a, a stupid rule all around, and so it has to be overrated, even if most people also understand that. Yeah. Okay. And what do you think my answer is? Also overrated. Yeah, I think this is overrated. Um, like you said, very needed thing to kind of fix some of the COVID stuff. They wanted the games to get over with, blah, blah, blah. With uh, When that starts to go away, I think this should also kind of go along with that. It kind of takes away from the way the game has been played for a very long time, even though that does sound like I'm gatekeeping. But I think this is actually uh, pretty much 0% to continue after next year. The, the biggest thing they need to do is cut down on time between pitches. Like yeah, fr- from They've both sides, you as a batter and you as a pitcher need to have get a limited amount of time yeah. to get back and ready yeah. to get, get the, the damn box. The, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Joe, Mister English says the Fourth of July. This was actually they sent this right after the Fourth of July. But good. Uh, massively overrated. The United States is a settler colonial entity built on indigenous genocide and African slavery, and celebrating its existence is something no one should do. And the way we celebrate it is through massive amounts of decadence and shitty fireworks that scare pets. It's all awful. Uh, I don't think you need to guess here um, that exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh... It's also not even the day they signed the Declaration of Independence. They started signing it on the 2nd. The 4th is the day they publicly read it to the to people mm-hmm. for the first time. Uh, I'm going to skip a few of the ones here. Uh, Joe, Mr. English says, being fast. You can just take this however you want. Um, well, Cause you're actually not fast, so... This could go either way, depending upon the context. Yeah, because here's the thing. I actually, 
if you're not thinking of this in any untoward way, you know, any inappropriate way, I was actually very fast when I was younger. I I ran track for multiple years, like did all this stuff. And uh, it's, it's, it's underrated. You know, like it's a it's a cool school to have. It's also very important with the way the world's going, and we're gonna have a zombie apocalypse or something very very soon. I'm gonna get away while Ross gets eaten because he's gonna be lagging behind. I'm I was always a better distance runner, so as long that's, as I that's, that's as long true. as I stay in front of them, I I can last a while. Well, at least I not, could. Probably not. Yeah, anymore. yeah, exactly. Same. All right. Uh, it's it's really funny because he, the next one this this is really good. How everybody worked this together, and you're gonna see why I skipped some of the ones. So KFET says after this, being furious. um so to a certain extent um we have we limit the ability of men to express emotion other than anger and that is a problem um so in that sense very overrated but in another sense in a more general sense um just being angry at things and expressing your anger is underrated. Like you don't want to bottle that stuff in. You want to communicate, but you need to find you can be angry. Like the, the key is having a healthy way of communicating that anger. So as long as you do it in a healthy way, underrated. All right, I'm not going to make you guess this one. I also think it's underrated for the reasons you said, and just for like a few a few other reasons as well. Like I, I think it's healthy and cathartic to be able to actually like. I think we should be allowed to be angry. It's kind yeah. of like, you know, piggybacking what you're saying. Like, you know, the, when people get angry about something, and like, I'm not talking about people who, like, turn into, for better use of a better word, a Karen or, like, you know, freak out in public and stuff. Like, obviously, there's spots. But, like, when people are immediately, like, they get upset about something and you immediately stifle them or, like, it, you know, discredit them because they're getting angry, that's a little unfair. Like, yeah. you're a human being. They have emotions. You should be allowed to get, like, obviously, there's there's lines yeah right? yeah you're still responsible yeah. for how you behave so yeah, you're as long as you express your, your anger stuff. in a healthy way you should be allowed to do that freely and you know that's a generally a good thing like you the the people who try to be like relentlessly positive i find incredibly insufferable because like that that you're just lying like no person is literally happy all the time so clearly you're putting on a facade and now i don't know exactly when you're happy and when you're not and I find that infuriating. So you're just making me angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, I will express so, it freely. <laughs> and hopefully you get this next one because this is from Flackle. They say family. Hmm. I'm assuming you understand the the meme reference here, right? Of fast, furious family. Yeah. Is that, that's a thing. Did you not see all these uh, memes that were like super popular for the last week or two with uh what's the guy's name his name is dom in the movie uh the actor the main actor in fast and furious vin diesel um, yeah all the vin diesel memes no you didn't see these i didn't see so these. like there's a recurring theme in like all the movies where like th- the odds are massively stacked against them there's no way they should possibly win but vin diesel is always like yeah they've got a lot of guns and a lot of people and a lot of power but you but you know what's the most powerful thing in the world family you know they don't have family and it's like him and his you know few people and they just always win over these like insurmountable odds so like people have been throwing him as a meme into like you know it'll be like the picture of like from jurassic park one when the t-rex gets out and they're running and then dom is running at it and they're like dom what are you doing that's suicide don't run towards the t-rex it's too powerful and he's like not as powerful as family and it shows like a car going at the yeah. t-rex or something <laughs> you can say they just insert that meme into literally every like superhero movie action movie everything ever 
Right. I want to see them not, say, like, not as powerful, powerful as family, and then whip out this, like, giant gun that just says family on the side of it. <laughs> it shoots family, yeah. 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 But, like, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a thing over and over again. Yeah. You don't have to actually say whether family is overrated or underrated. It's just really funny. No, no, I have a really good answer for this. Um, so, in the sense that most people would interpret this, I'm going to say overrated, because the concept of the nuclear family, as we understand it in our, our world, uh, and I'm coming at this from a, a U.S.-centric lens, um, that concept of a nuclear family is a product of capitalism that is designed to keep us um, conformed into specific boxes so that we don't rock the boat very much and we continue being good little automatons and pushing the gears of the economy forward and re- reproducing labor. So that concept of the nuclear family is really shitty and it forces people into really um, horrible places where they like get uh, forced to, you know, uh, interact with their own abusers and things like that. Um, so in that sense, family, obviously very overrated. But if you take a more broad sense of the term and really just conflate family with a sense of community and tight knit community, then obviously very underrated. But it needs to be the family that you choose, not the family that you're forced into. You literally took the words out of my mouth because I was going to say everything you said because, like, the family you're forced into a lot of times can be very overrated, but the family that you choose a lot of times is very underrated. And this is a big thing for me. I do not have a very good relationship with a lot of my family for, you know, multiple multiple reasons. And I really, really appreciate the family that I've chosen and, like, my close friends. Uh, Catatonic Walrus says Vin Diesel. Um, I'm not a big action movie person at all. Um, so as an actor overrated because his movies just aren't for me and I don't Mm -hmm. really know anything about him as a person. So I'm going to go with properly rated because like he's kind of leaned into it. I think with, it might not have been a choice of his in the movies that he gets, you know, cast in now. They're all like these actiony, like he's, he's the action. He he knows what he is. He's one step away from being uh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. I mean, like he, he makes a good living and I'm not going to fault him for that. Like I would do the same thing in his position. Um, and then, uh, you know, use the, the advantages that I get from being in that position, yeah, the, the wealth and privilege to like do things I love and help people. So, uh, you know, I will say the one great thing about him though, is, uh, this might not be a thing that people at home know. And this is kind of, kind of funny. And if you've seen enough of his movies, you'll find this funny. Vin Diesel has a very special stipulation in his contracts for when he goes into a movie that he cannot lose a fight. So in any of the movies you see him in, in his character, if he gets into a fight with another character, he will either always win the fight or it's stopped in some other way. He, like, never straight up just loses a fight. I, I don't know why. I don't know what, what that's all about. But this apparently was, like, a real thing. It's just going to be part of his brand. I think this is good, good brand building. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just great, right? The little kids so. that watch his movies would just be like, he fucking never loses. He's the best. Yeah. yeah, he's the best of all time. Yeah, exactly. He's just the best around. He's the GOAT. Yeah, he's the GOAT, exactly. All right, uh, I'm going to have to try to... I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, but, I heard uh, that. My yep. dog is, is throwing a fit. So let's go ahead and like try to end the show here, and we can get a you know a little more uh, done next week. So let's go ahead and start trying to do some of our outro. Make sure that you check out Barrister and Man. Uh, it's barristerandman.com with two N's. Uh, make sure you check out their stuff there. Lots of really cool gifts. 15% off in the uh, in your cart whenever you do the end if you use the code MTGRANT. So make sure you do that. Ross, if people wanted to hear more of your rants or see more of you, where would they go? Uh, first and best place is my Twitter account. I'm at Ross Hunneds. That's R-O-S-S-H-U-N-N-E-D-S. Uh, good one-stop shop to get, you know, updates on all of my content, good place to ask me questions, etc. Uh, then there is my written content on Star City Games. 
Uh, my columns go up on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This week's article is all about the cards that have, um, from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, it did really well this past weekend in Modern. Um, so Portable Hole in the Azorius Urza deck, the top aided, um, Ingenious Smith in, um, uh, Colossus Hammer, and then also, uh, Tasha's Hideous Laughter in Mill. And it's a buy and sell on those three cards. Do I think that those are cards that are real for those archetypes or not real? Um, so my assessment of that week one impact for adventures. So check that out if, uh, that's your thing. And then my non-written content, by which I mean a versus live twice a week with Corey Baumeister, one to 4 PM Eastern time on the Star City Games, uh, Twitch channel. Uh, we play whatever formats are relevant and people want to see. We take questions live from the audience. So do catch us live if you can. If you can't, then, uh, you can find the VODs on the Star City Games YouTube channel. They get uploaded the next day. Uh, so Wednesday and Friday, respectively, uh, usually by 5 p.m. Eastern by the end of the workday. So, uh, appreciate any views there as well. And then finally, my stream, which has been inactive for quite a while. Here is my plan right now. I am moving. Uh, still in Roanoke, uh, I'm not going anywhere, but I'm moving in actually with Director Rob, uh, in the, the, uh, the Anderson's old house, actually, uh, and, and Travis. And so I'm moving towards, from now to the end of the month is my moving period. And my plan is to get everything set up in the new house and start streaming next month, uh, in that house. So hopefully the stream will return in August and I keep to that plan, um, so, um, you know, look forward to that. If you want to drop me a follow on Twitch in the meantime, so that you get the, uh, notifications when I do start streaming again, I would appreciate it. I am Ross underscore Miriam. So just my full name with an underscore on Twitch. Tannen, if people want to see some of your inferior rants about Chicago deep dish pizza. <laughs> where might they go? Uh, you can go to my Twitter. That's just at the Tannen Grace. Lots of rants about magic, sports other stuff on there especially baseball so if you like that kind of stuff uh talk about other stuff too as well on there and uh it's one of the better ways to reach me i'm uh pretty addicted to twitter and uh if you wanted to see my stream which has come back a little bit we'll see uh with a new set i do not really like this limited format very much so take that for you will um but if you know standard's good or whatever i'll play some of the new stuff uh there and that is just uh tan and grace on Twitch. Uh, make sure you check out the Twitter of MTG Rants. Very easy to find on Twitter itself. And there you can find links for our Discord and links for our patrons, which everybody who uh, supports our show in any way that you support that you support our show, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And uh, just keep listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. And make sure that you check us out next week. 